Growing in Christ podcast with Lalith Pereira. If you remember what we have been doing, if you remember, I just want to place it in context. I've been talking about the four faces of God, you know, the four faces of God, you know. Can you tell me in face number one? He's God. If, uh, number one, what's number one? He's God. He's God himself. Number two? Yes, he's creator. And because he's creator, he can give us a creative answer that no one else can give it to us. Number three? Yes, he's father. And because he's father of everyone, let him sort out people who are against us. And the scripture teaches us, learn to bless them. Learn to pray for them. Why is that? Because God is the father of even our worst enemy. And he will put it all together. You don't have to worry about how they will learn a good lesson. You know, because we want them, you know, because we love them. We want to, we want to give them a good lesson, isn't it? So, so you don't have to worry about that. You bless them, you know, because God is the father of everyone. You know. And number four, what's number four? He's Abba. He's Abba. And Abba is the most beautiful thing. Somebody said it beautifully, one of our full-timers, he said it beautifully. He said, when you get into number four, all the other three, uh, you forget. You know. <laughs> Why is that? Because in that intimacy of personal loving, Abba, in this intimacy, even the worst sinner can be turned into a saint. Even the one with the weak, the great deepest weakness can be transformed into the strongest disciple of Jesus Christ. Because Abba. And look at St. Paul. You know, instead of God punishing him for killing Stephen, you know, he got his instrumental in killing Stephen, putting people into jail, giving everybody a hard time, God should have taught him a good lesson, you know. Instead of teaching him a good lesson, he comes to meet him personally <laughs> and appears to him. And what does he do? Transforms him into the person who changes the history of Christianity. So angry Jews call Christianity, it says, it's, no, it's not Christianity, it's Paulanity, they say. St. Paul disfigured the whole thing and that's why he's attacked him because he's you know, strongly anti-Jewish, you know. Jewish means not in the sense of anti-racist, you know, uh, but in the theological sense, he argued against the, uh, the way that Jews understood God and religion and they really became angry with him for that. But look at him because he met God as Abba. And that's why in Romans chapter 8, Galatians chapter 4, St. Paul says, God's spirit joins our spirit and cries out, Abba, Father. It's an inner revelation in your heart, changes everything. The four faces of God. Then we are now in the process of looking at the four faces of Christ. What's number one? He is God, the great I am. You saw the seven statements of I am. You know, uh, recently, two days ago, somebody stopped me on the road, you know. And he, said, uh, he said, you know, that seven thoughts about I am, I never realized it. <laughs> Just walking on the <laughs> So, then only you know that, that it's really, you know, ordinary people are getting it. These are theological truths, you know, in, understood for thousands of years, but uh, normal people who go to church and come are never 
you know, never privy to this information. One is that, uh, you know, you present it in an academic way, uh, people tend to fall asleep and they can curse you also, you know, after <laughs> you, finish, <laughs> you finish a great sermon and people curse you after the sermon is over. Praise the Lord. The second face of God, what's the, of Jesus, what's the second face? Yes? He is the visible image of the invisible God. He reveals the mind, the heart, and the very intimate process of God's attitudes. He will reveal whom God likes, and he will reveal whom God doesn't like. You know? So there are people that God doesn't like also. You know? Unfortunately, not the same people that we don't like. <laughs> <laughs> there are people. Who are they? People who are self-righteous and who are full of pride. Why is it that God doesn't like them? Not because God hates, but if you are self-righteous, you are short-circuited. Because you are, you are tuned into yourself. And when you are short-circuited, everything you do is going to create a lot of problems in life. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So, so uh, we looked at the second phase. I'm not going to stay there long because I need to look, look at the third phase. And the third phase of Christ. He is savior of the world. Actually, we know this from our smallest days. You know, Jesus Christ is the savior. But do we naturally know what, what we think we know? And that's what I thought we reflect together. So I thought we'll ask two questions, actually. You know, uh, preparing these sermons take me a long time. Normally, it doesn't take me much because, you know, you just what you're experiencing in this time, you turn into a sermon and you preach it, you know. And then it's, uh, it doesn't take much time. But when you have to teach something that is theologically, uh, you have to be accurate, but also to make sure that people understand, you know. Because the trick is that you can explain something that you thought is brilliantly explained, but nobody understands. So you have to spend a lot of time sorting that out in your mind, you know, asking the Holy Spirit for a leading for that. So the Holy Spirit gave me two questions that I thought uh, can be helpful for us to deal with this. What's our theme? Jesus is the savior of the world. So the question number one, if you are writing it down, you can write it down because you can pray with this, you know. This is a question that I have asked myself often. Do we deserve to be saved? Do you deserve to be saved? Why do I ask that question? Because oftentimes I think I don't deserve it. I remember one person whom, uh, you know, uh, was talking to me on the phone. He, uh, from abroad, he was going through a crisis. And he said, I have studied the scriptures. Uh, uh, I have done, I have, I have, I've, I've been serving the Lord. Uh, I now have fallen. You know? And he says, I know all the scriptures about fallen and what it is. What's the answer to it? But I don't want it. I don't deserve the forgiveness of God. And he's weeping, you know. I don't deserve it. Can you imagine my brother, my sister? You know? And sometimes we can fall into that. You know? Do you deserve to be saved? 
And if you think you don't deserve to be saved, you'll never experience Jesus as Savior. Praise the Lord. So we need to answer that question in our own lives. You know, do you do? Are there moments in your life where you think you don't deserve to be served, saved? You know, and you know. I remember once a person was brought to me. They said the whole world, village is rejecting this person. He's just come out of jail. He's done something, and uh, and actually, uh, can you please talk to him? I said sure. You know, you know, uh, our we are trained to love people unconditionally. You know? So he came to see me. You know, I asked uh, what happened. He said, you know, there was this servant girl. Uh, 12 years old, you know, that kept us, what's all, it's, first of all, it's illegal to keep a seven girl who's 12 years old. And he had, in a fit of anger, he had thrashed her, you know. And when she was bruised and the bruises were coming up, uh, fearfully, they went to the well and bathed her, you know. And uh, that created a reaction and the, and the child. And then only I feel, my God, I'm thinking intellectually, unconditional loving is a fantastic thing, you know. <laughs> But then, when it comes to a, a moment in life, you know, and if we think about people like that, don't we think about God also? We don't deserve the mercy of God. And if you think that you don't deserve it, the salvation of Jesus Christ we will not have. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So you have to think about what I'm saying. So I'm going to deal with what God thinks about this eh, later. Second question. If you look at the second question. The second question is, can we, actually they have put the question, can we earn our salvation, uh, which is the one that I wrote, but, uh, uh, you know, uh, can we be actually saved? Uh, that's the real question. Can we be actually saved? That means uh, there are times in our own lives and in the lives of people we help that uh, many people are convinced that their problem is too deep, their addiction is too great, their sin is too complicated, they'll never come out of it. That's when we become desperate. That's when our lives fall apart. So that the challenge is, are we thinking that way? <laughs> if you think that you don't deserve to be saved, at certain points, you will never receive the forgiveness of Jesus Christ or the, or the salvation that he can bring you. And if you are convinced that your problem is too big for him or too complicated for him, uh, you will not receive what the Savior brings into the world. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So today, first of all, I want to share with you from the scripture answers to these arguments. What are the arguments? Do you deserve to be saved? And can we be saved? Because once you clear that only, you can go to the place where we can receive it from the Lord. Okay. So, uh, 1 John chapter 4 verse 10. 1 John chapter 4 verse 10. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. If he had stopped there, then we can think about love in the way we want, you know. He says, love is not Valentine's Day. You know? 
Love is not Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> and see, we have all kinds of, you know, uh, all sto love stories, you know, Rama and Sita, you know. <laughs> so uh, we are we are suckers for love stories, you know. And and you know we have our own understanding of love. Then he said, now this this is the scripture definition of love. This is love. What is love? Not that we loved God, but that He loved us. And then he doesn't stop there. And sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So the scripture is very clear. God had a purpose in sending Jesus. He was not having a, a competition there in heaven to pick out the most deserving person to be loved by God. <laughs> or the person to be given the prize. You are the perfect person that God really likes. That's not why he sent Jesus. He sent Jesus, he says here, sent his son as an atoning sacrifice. You know the word atoning means he pays for your mistakes. I knew a planter who is now dead. Uh, there was a man who came to hit him uh, in the estate. And he got so angry, he took the, the shotgun and shot him. The man died. Then he called the watcher and told him, here you take the gun, I'll look after your family till you come out, you say you did it. And he did it, and he went to jail. That's what you mean by an atoning sacrifice. <laughs> in, in, very, in very simple terms, that's an atoning sacrifice. He took the, he took the, 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 the blame, he paid the price, that you can be free. And if you think that you have done something that even Jesus' sacrifice cannot take away, uh, you are making a huge mistake. So you can see. Are you following what I'm saying? Can you understand? This atoning, that, you know, we are just using, we, are, we look at the word, we, we assume we know what it means. But in actual fact, atoning means you pay for what somebody else has done. So therefore, anyone who has done anything will be saved by the death of Jesus Christ. Until you believe that, uh, there is really no deep answer to the struggle of your heart. Are you following what I'm saying? This confirmed again, John 1.29, you know. Such a powerful verse, you know. John 1.29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Can you see that? The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You know, in the, uh, I'm not trying to fully explain this uh, Jewish understanding, you know, uh, there was the Feast of Atonement uh, where they had the feast to, to receive forgiveness from God. So they took a goat or a lamb and whispered the sins of Israel into the fellow's ear. Poor fellow, you know. <laughs> he, could, <laughs> he would have died then and there. And, and then chases the fellow into the desert as a sign that it has been taken away. They understood what that meant. So Jesus takes away the most complicated sin in the world. And the question is, is it for everybody? 
Is it for the deserving? Is it for the good? Is it for the Christian? Is it for everybody? And 1 John 4.14 answers that. 1 John 4.14 And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. So that means on the man on the street, the man who doesn't believe, for everyone. So now we have answered the two questions, fundamental questions that really uh, block us from receiving God's forgiveness and mercy. What is that? That everyone deserves the salvation of God because Jesus came specifically to do that. And however complicated your life is, the Savior's death can uncomplicate it, fix it and turn you into a saint. So, the miracle of salvation. How does this happen? So I remember one person telling me once, y'all have a very funny kind of religion. You know? I asked why. You can do anything you like, then go to a priest and tell it, and then he forgives you, and then you're over. <laughs> That's how they see us outside. They, you, know, uh, you can't escape karma, he said. <laughs> Cause and effect, you can never escape. It's only an illusion to think like that. You will have to pay for what you have done. And that sounds very sensible. The uh, creator of this whole universe made it cause and effect. So the, what, what the word karma means is... Uh, Plotting the path of cause and effect. You know. And uh, cause and effect is there. The whole scientific paradigm is based on cause and effect. You know. How do you, how do you, what's the cause? What's the effect? What's the cause? What's the effect? How does it flow? You know. And he said, you know, just because you go and make confession to a priest, it's not going to free you, you know. But that is because they haven't understood the background of the Savior. My brother, my sister, uh, the church teaches us that uh, the Blessed Mother was conceived without sin. You know, why do you think, you know, we all think we, that's out of respect for the Blessed Mother that, uh, you know, the church teaches, you know, she's so holy, she's conceived without sin. And that's true. But there's another reason for that. The reason is, the Savior to be conceived without sin, God prepared his mother to be conceived Without sin. Why? I'll explain. Jesus is conceived with, without sin. Jesus is born without sin. Jesus is lived on this earth without doing sin. He goes to the cross without sin. And he dies on the cross without any sin. I think we all agree on that. We all know. We have been taught. But the question is why? You know, how do you explain these theological things? You know? So, if you go to the Sri Lankan Airlines queue in, uh, in Singapore, you know, and you're waiting for the flight to, Singapore, to Sri Lanka, uh, there are people who come and approach you. you know. We'll pay you something. Can you please take a bag... <laughs> Uh, to Sri Lanka. 
<laughs> people who who fly who go from dubai also they do the same thing you know uh, and you're taking a big risk when you take if you take those bags you know uh, because you don't know what's in it but they are smugglers normally they don't have enough weight so they try to pass it on to the to people who are who are traveling you know so we say i can't why i already have my own bag and the weight is full are you following what i'm saying so no one can pay for anybody else's sin why why we all we all we all having our own bags <laughs> no no one can take away our sin <laughs> we are, we, are, we are all having the uh, the sin that we have committed no one that's why he says all fall short of the glory of god romans chapter 1 all short fall fall short all have sin so the this system of cause and effect that god designed for the universe had to be fulfilled somebody has to pay then only the balance in the universe comes somebody has to put the balance right so how did he work that out he sends his only son to do one sinless his bag is empty <laughs> he's never committed a sin he's never done anything wrong sinless for what to carry your sin and my sin pay for it defeat it and offer us a new life in Christ praise the lord praise the lord shall we just praise and thank the lord hallelujah 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 actually that's why god has to give us the wisdom to bring this down to the level where people will really realize you know suddenly only dawned on me wow the baggage is the best way to answer that you know all of us have baggage <laughs> so we can't carry anybody else's baggage but jesus carries it how do you know what i'm saying is true 2 corinthians 5:21 2 corinthians 5:21 if you can't see the seats from here there are seats right right in front yeah 2 corinthians 5:21 god made him who had no sin who is the man who had no sin jesus to be sin for us can you see that he took that to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of god praise the lord jesus is the savior of the world and his he signed the covenant with his blood and said if you believe in me if you accept what i have done you will be set free from the past praise the lord actually we read the covenant we hear the covenant every time you go to mass you know but unfortunately the moment that part starts called the consecration we go into auto mode you <laughs> we know every word so we don't listen to it anymore <laughs> and because we don't listen to it they can say anything till you come back to the point when you stand up for the our father uh, we are in zombie land you know and <laughs> and any words that are said 
are forgotten. And the moment after the consecration is intercession because of what has happened on that cross, we are praying that many things will take place in the world. Look at what he said in the consecration. These words are used. You know. Matthew 26 verse 27. Matthew 26 verse 27. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. Every Mass we say this, drink from it, all of you. Look at this, verse 28. This is my blood of the covenant. My blood of the covenant. What does that mean? He's saying, with my blood I sign this. I am giving you a contract signed with my blood. What's the blood? What is that contract with the blood? What does he sign with the blood? Look at this. Which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Poured out for many, for the whole world. It's poured out for many. What do, for what? Forgiveness of sin to free you from all the stupidity of your past, from the ancestral brokenness that I have inherited inside of you from all the woundedness that you have received I am signing it with my blood and I am giving it to you to say I have come to set you free shall we just praise and thank the Lord hallelujah 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 praise you father glory to your name hallelujah 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 my brother my sister unfortunately you know every mass we say this this is the blood of the covenant. This is the blood of the covenant. You can't shift it. This is signed with his blood. So forgiveness is not a choice. It's already been given. It has been poured out. But why don't we have it? Because you and I have to make a choice. Whether they will accept it or not. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Already poured out. On that cross. Imagine the beauty of what God has done. What about today? 2000 years later. We have an answer for that also. And John 20, 23. After filling his disciples with the Holy Spirit. This is what he says. John 20, 23. Actually, in 20, 20, 21, 22, he forgives these people, gives them peace, reconciles them with himself, fills them with the Holy Spirit, and this is what he tells them. What does he say? If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. In other, he's giving the blood of the covenant, he signed the agreement and he's saying, okay, I'm giving it to you. If you take it to the world and you offer it to people, I will honor it from heaven and I will set them free. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's the sacrament of reconciliation. Don't, anyone, don't let anyone fool you into thinking it doesn't exist. You know. Uh, you know. Anti-Catholic anti thinking, you know, uh, tries to break uh, the power of this sacrament. A sacrament is also agreement signed by the blood of Christ. Every sacrament is an unchanging agreement.
Baptism is a seal, you know, and once you fix the seal, uh, it's gone. It's like tattoos. You know? <laughs> people, people, people put out tattoos when they are 20 years old. You know, they don't think that what will happen to their hand when they are 60, you know. <laughs> Tattoo will become something else. <laughs> it can even become obscene. You know? <laughs> so, because, because, but you can't do anything about it. Because it's a seal. Every sacrament is a seal. Signed in the blood of Christ. And forgiveness has been given to us. That's why... The sacrament of reconciliation offered to us in the church through the history, thousands of years. Why? Because Jesus can free us from our past. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. He can free us from the complications of our ancestry. He can free us from our broken nature. He can give us an opportunity to live a new life. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Because Jesus is the Savior. So next week I'll talk about how that actually takes place in our life through Jesus is the Lord. You don't have it. Acts chapter 10 verse 43. All the prophets testify about him. About whom? About Christ. That everyone who believes in us. Can you see that? He's saying all the prophets of the Old Testament testify that if you believe in him, you will receive forgiveness of sins through his name. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Actually receiving forgiveness is one thing. Changing your nature is something else. That is next week, you know. So if you don't come next week, you don't get it. So, 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 so changing your nature is something else. And that's why we have not only Jesus is, is Savior, Jesus is Lord. That's the proclamation of the early church. Jesus is Lord. That's for next week. But Jesus is Savior. I have now shown you that in actual fact, God has fixed the cause and effect problem in Christ. He has fixed the karmic cycle in Christ. And he has given us the opportunity, however complicated, however fallen, however broken our lives, he's giving us a promise. I will turn it into a blessing. Shouldn't we give the Lord a hand, my brothers and sisters? Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Father. Glory to your name. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Father. Glory to your name. Hallelujah. 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 But we have a part to play always, you know, the divine human dance, you know. Uh, it's, a, it's a partnership. On our part, we need to believe. Now this faith belief also can be just a concept, you know. 
That's what, there was a problem, you know, loaded words. Like the blood of the covenant is, uh, you know, we just hear it every day in the mass and it doesn't really uh, make sense, you know. Even the body given up for you, what does that mean, you know? You know, uh, what does that mean, receiving the body, you know? There is a meaning to that, you know. Uh, next week we'll find that out. But faith in this also has a meaning. So I found two or three uh, beautiful stories, you know, I spend a lot of time finding this. You know why? Because the concept has to be opened and uh, received into our hearts, otherwise it remains only a concept, you know. And this uh, story I picked up, you know. Uh, this is not a story but an actual event. In 1829, you know, uh, I'm sure none of us were there in 1829. Okay. In, <laughs> in 1829, this uh, 200 years ago, there was a man called George Wilson in the United States. He was caught for armed robbery and for murder. He was a murderer who was also an armed robber. So a case was heard and then he was sentenced to death. Now what happened was the president of the United States at that time was a person called Andrew Jackson. And Andrew Jackson, after hearing the case, he reviewed it and he decided to pardon this man called George Wilson. So he wrote the letter of pardon, he signed it, like Jesus signed it with his blood, Andrew Jackson signed it with his pen and sent it to the penitentiary and said, release the man from, uh, from being uh, uh, killed. And you know what this George Wilson did? He said, I don't want the pardon. <laughs> he said, I don't want the pardon. They said, but you have been given to you. He said, I don't want it. I want to die. Now there was a huge problem in the United States. What do you do when a pardon is refused? Yes, no one had refused a pardon before. So it was taken to the Supreme Court of the United States. And there was a Chief Justice called John Marshall, and this is what he said. John Marshall gave the following decision. A pardon is a paper, the value of which depends upon its acceptance by the person Implicated. Can, can you, can, are you following what I'm saying? Can you see this? Uh, 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 the, a pardon is a paper, the value of which depends upon his acceptance by the person implicated. The blood of Christ, the covenant of the blood of Christ is an action that will only take effect if the person who receives it accepts it. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Look at that. Then he says, it is hardly to be supposed that one on the sentence of death would refuse to accept a pardon. <laughs> but if it is refused, it is no pardon. If it, is, if it is refused, it is no pardon. George Wilson must be hanged. So people, there are enough people in the world who are not pardoned by God. 
not because god didn't want to pardon them not because jesus didn't die for them but because they refuse to believe what he has done praise the lord praise the lord so my brother my sister tonight it's so so valuable isn't it we have to make a choice what's the choice do we accept jesus as the savior of your life do you believe that it is possible for him that he carried your nature your brokenness your sinfulness to that cross he paid the price and if you accept him as the savior his covenant of blood will set me free from the past will set me free from this thing that hangs around us praise the lord praise the lord so tonight as we worship what do we do we come to his presence my brother my sister uh, the gift is there but you need to accept it so there's another story i thought that also will be helpful because this story talks about you know now why we don't accept this you know we, we don't know why this man wilson uh, never accepted it you know maybe he thought he was too guilty to live you know maybe he thought you know this is other man his name is clint westcott uh in the great depression in the united states in the 1930s there was something called a great depression where people lost their fortunes in a day you know in the great depression he lost his business uh which was like a, a garage business he was doing well in the great depression he lost it he became so depressed and sad that he abandoned his business and he went and he learned to live among these uh, i think you call them hobos is there a name i think yes call them uh, hobos yeah they traveled on these trains in the united states in the 1930s they shifted from city to city they lived off begging and they it was a lifestyle you know they went in the empty carriages of uh, trains they moved from city to city and uh, uh, he learned to live that way so because he had disappeared the state took over his properties settled all his debts and there was 10 to 15000 dollars left now it belonged to this man but they didn't know where he was they searched for him for 10 years and the interest on this money increased two newspaper men were given the job to trace this man called clint westcott after 10 years they found him among these others you know uh uh lounging around near a railway shed they recognized him they went and spoke and spoke and found out and they said we have this letter for you from the government and we want to give it to you you are uh, you are going to have an inheritance he said i don't want it I said why because i am happy as i am i am happy as i am he said why don't you want to want to open this and see what you've got he said no i am happy see already he said put in the hand pocket i said i have 49 cents and maybe one day i'll come out of this till then i'm happy with this life and he never accepted 
the money that had grown to $50,000 in, in the 1930s was a massive amount of money. Sometimes for an illicit relationship, we give up our eternal soul. Yeah. Yeah. For, the, for the fear of losing something that is material, we give up that which is far superior in the spiritual realm. Because we are controlling our own lives. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And actually, uh, 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 a very rich Arab, that also in the 19th century, he was, he was traveling in the Sahara Desert. They lost their way. And they had only one glass of water left. He was there. The camel was there. And his servant was there. Actually, the water that was left belonged to the servant. He paid him, they say, 22,000 US dollars at that time. A massive wealth. He paid him for that glass of water. So he drank the glass of water. The servant died there because he didn't have water. So the money was of no use to him. 100 yards down the line, this man died. And one kilometer down the way was a massive lake that if they had reached it, both would have lived. My brother, my sister, without coming to Jesus, who is the river of living water, we'd go and try to find answers from other people. Can you love me? Can you give me some value? Can you tell me how good I am? Can you give me some worth? You know, we run around asking people, while the one who has the living water, we don't come to. So my brother, my sister, Jesus is the savior of the world, but you may not have his salvation if you and I don't make a choice to accept him as the savior of the world. Praise the Lord.